welcome to Act Your Age, a podcast where two adults dive into young adult books in order to discuss how their appeal transcends age and other boundaries. My name is Corinne. And I'm Tasia. And today, due to some behind the scenes schedule changes, we are here with a different episode than we last promised, although one that was uh, already on the schedule for later down the road. We are going to be talking about Casey McQuiston's debut YA book, I Kiss Shara Wheeler. Super excited that finally Casey has written a book that actually conforms to the theme of this podcast. (laughs) We have covered their two previous books on this podcast, despite them not being YA. So uh, this is a big day for us. Real excited. Yeah. Surprise, bitch. Yeah. Uh, Fun surprise for sure. As was this book. And I'm excited to talk about it. But first, as always, Tasia, what are you obsessing over these days? So I, um, I think we've read pretty much all the same books for the Mm -hmm. last couple of weeks. Um, well you've read them and then I've read them. So, um, we probably have mostly, you know, pretty similar obsessions, but I read book lovers by Emily Henry. Um, Emily Henry wrote people we meet on vacation and beach read, both of which I really loved. Um, this one might be, I think it's my favorite. Um, I feel like Emily Henry has like this magic ability to make a very like subdued male character just outrageously hot I guess um yes he's he's you know just very I don't want to say withdrawn but you like subdued he's very subdued on page very stoic taciturn kind of guy and just absolutely in love with him absolutely fucking in love it's um a uh, friend of the pod, Jesse, said that she saw a TikTok where somebody said it was like, instead of grumpy sunshine, it's grumpy, grumpy. And that's exactly what it is. And yeah. I love it so much for that. It's like, what if this kind of vain, self-obsessed person that's like, you know, not as not a bad person, just like, you yeah. know, uh, knows what they're about. Yeah. Uh, just met like, you know, and we're so used to like opposites attract, like we love the, um, enemies to lovers. We love all that, but sometimes it's nice to just see people that are so inherently just fundamentally compatible. It, it was really funny reading that book right after reading I Kiss Shara Wheeler, because I felt like, and we'll talk about it. Like I Kiss Shara Wheeler is also kind of grumpy, grumpy. You're like two yeah. like mean girls and in, in, in not really being opposite attract to each other. They're like the same person and they work on that level. And that's how it definitely was Mm -hmm. in in book lovers. And yeah, there was just like some, several things that for me, like felt very similar. Also, I think you uh, probably felt a little differently and we'll talk more about this in the context of Shara in a bit, but like, I was not super feeling book lovers for like the first 30 to 40%. I thought it was like Mm -hmm. a little like Yes, I know. The book is called Book Lovers. Like we're, yes, we (laughs) can keep talking about tropes um, in a way that was just kind of not working for me. And I was like, oh no. But then like she turned it all on her head and wrapped it all up in such a way that by the end I was like hugging my Kindle to my chest. So yeah, um, which is kind of a similar feeling I had when reading Shara. I definitely had that feeling when reading Shara. With Book Lovers, I was pretty on board right away. Um, I think it just Emily Henry just kind of does it. She does it for me. Yeah. Her but, writing um, is, is so good. And I think to like, 
it's very funny because the main character of Book Lovers is named Nora after Nora Ephron. And mm-hmm. much in the same way that Nora Ephron films walk the line of like twee and like just, oh, wait, no, I'm having a lot of feelings. Like that's how Book Lovers was. But it, Nora Ephron's stuff is always on the right side of the line for me. Mm-hmm. And that's where ultimately Emily Henry like got me. Yeah. On this book. So I love that. That shout out to Shara Wheeler too, because it's, it is very much like a, a shout out to the grumpy, mean bitches out there yeah. that uh, still deserve love. And they're 16, uh, 16, 16 year old, 17 year old. No, no. Um, Oh my God. What word my brain are you right now? I don't know. It's a very basic word. <laughs> second. Hold on. Like 16 part, 16 step. Oh my God. Step. Step was the word that I could not think of. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> but in what context? Uh, is your thought? I don't, I'm not following your friend, which is very <laughs> rare for us. Um, and their, and their 16 step, uh, skincare routines. Ah, yes. They deserve love too. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, it's really, yeah, it's, it's really funny to think about like currently on the New York times bestseller lists for general fiction and young adult fiction. The two number ones are these two books that like really do feel so similar in so many ways. And mm-hmm. we have all these, and Nora is not like a mean girl, but she's like painted in that way for reasons. And, and it, yeah, yeah we got all these mean, mean peeps up at the top and we like that. Uh, if you ever listened to this podcast before you, you know, we love a mean girl. So anyway, oh, um, yeah, there's more. <laughs> um, I also read the long game. Um, mm. If you did not listen to our last episode where Corinne talked about it, it is the follow up to um, Rachel Reed's. You didn't arrive today. <laughs> It is the follow-up to Rachel Reed's heated rivalry, um, <laughs> gay sports romance. Um, and it was important. absolutely, absolutely worth the wait. So good. Uh, Ilya has my heart. I will um, both kill and die for him. So that's yeah, where that's, I'm at emotionally. That sounds about right. And that's a good dovetail into my obsessions this week, which are after reading the long game continuing with some of the other books in the game changer series. And I literally like felt like I was in a fugue state. Like it, my brain was broken for a couple of weeks where I could not read anything else. And it was good that some of these other books came out within the last couple of weeks to break the chain for me because I just could not stop reading these gay hockey romance books and all of them uh, just had a hold on me. And it's, it's good to know that at least one other in the series, like super worked for me, maybe not quite as at the same level as he did rivalry in the long game, but in a way that like, it was also one of my favorite romances I've read so far this year. So, uh, yeah, that was a, a cycle I need to break and I'm glad to be kind of free <laughs> now I can live my life again. Those books are great. Um, and, and I'll say too, even if you don't think you like sports or hockey in particular, just read them anyway. I, I described to a friend who was like, oh, I don't know, like I'm not a sports person. I'm like all the time in romances, we read the characters going to work and it's often a yeah. job I'm not interested in. Not every book right. is book lovers where they're book editors. And that's like our, our collective dream. Right. Um, and so it just kind of feels that way. And you, you start to get invested in stakes that you didn't think you might be invested in. So 
Yeah. Uh, I remember the, for the first one made me like super interested in hockey all of a sudden, but I was literally, it's funny that you said that because I was literally about to be like, listen, if these books, they sound like not something that you would be interested in, yeah. just, just trust us. They are. Yeah. If you are into romance or queer romance, yeah. especially um, read them. Yeah. They're so much better than they sound. Yeah. Truly. Truly. Uh, my other obsession this week is also like weirdly connected to book lovers on a couple of levels. Um, it is called thank you for listening by Julia Whalen. Julia Whalen is probably best known in the novel fiction world for being an audiobook narrator. She's an actress and has narrated like 500 audiobooks, including all three of Emily Henry's big hits and book lovers. And so when I finished Book Lovers, I was um, going through uh, the acknowledgements at the end, which I always do. And she thanked Julia Whalen uh, and she described her as like, you know, brilliant audiobook narrator and like fellow author. And I was like, oh yeah, I do have an advanced copy of Julia Whalen's second book um, called Thank You for Listening on my Kindle. It doesn't come out till August, but like, let me like give it a whirl because I'd heard great things about her debut my Oxford year came out maybe like four years ago. I had had it out for the library for a really long time and ended up returning and never got to it, but really wanted to give her a shot. And thank you for listening is also meta in kind of the same way that book lovers is, except that it, instead of being about like a book editor, it is about an audiobook narrator. And, uh, very much it's clear that Julia Whalen was drawing on a lot of her own experiences, but it's ultimately about, an actress turned audiobook narrator who gets into narration because of a horrific accident that she's in and for her own internal reasons with some disfigurement that she suffered as a result of that. She doesn't feel like she can continue acting and it's more romantic fiction than romance in in kind of the same way that book lovers I feel is. I mean, there is obviously Mm -hmm. a romance in it, but there's more going on. And it was a lot about her coming to terms with her injury and like dealing with her family and and her perception of herself, but then also, um, meeting this really great guy and the meet cute here is essentially that he is also an audiobook narrator, but he uses a pseudonym and no one knows who he is. And they have to, Mm. um, record an audiobook together. And she's very anti-romance because she's kind of jaded from her experiences in life. Like there's no such thing as happily ever after. Like I'm proof of that. Uh, and so just like a lot of great things happening and it made me feel a lot. And I think there needs to be like a separate five-star rating system for like books. I know are going to like really work for me, like book lovers ultimately did. And then books that are just like a total surprise. And I like go into them with not really any expectations. And then I'm just like, Oh my God, I love this yeah. book. Um, so that's how that ended up um, feeling for me. So that comes out in August. I really liked it. Um, you know, I think it's one of those that maybe it works for you. Maybe it doesn't, but, uh, I, I thought she was just really, really talented. She's obviously very clearly multi, multi talented. She could write this book and also narrate books so beautifully or so I've heard. Um, I'm not like the biggest audiobook person myself, but everyone loves her. Uh, I think so. Yeah, it was really good. Recommend. And then this one, I'm like, honestly, now I can't like read anything else because I've read so many good things and my brain's broken. It's like, it's been really nice. Cause I was, I mean, I think we both were on such a, 
a slump for a while that kind of getting back into reading and then having it all just be like reminding you why, why we love to do this so much. uh, It's been really nice. It was super nice. Um, I I feel like I got my mojo back and I'm ready Mm -hmm. to go, but now I need to take a little break and like sit with these books that I've read that are just really like have their claw sunk into me. But um, this was, this was one of them too. Shar Wheeler. Let's talk about it. Um, I think we have officially decided to no longer do book summaries, um, except to say <laughs> RIP, yeah, RIP to book summaries. Uh, you know, the, the story here is a pretty straightforward one. Prom queen goes missing girl who has a low key obsession with her, um, uh, is very curious about where she went and, we find out that Char, our missing prom queen, has left letters behind for Chloe, our main character, and two other boys involved in Char's life, and they're all trying to find her. And it ultimately becomes a, a big story of not self-discovery, but realizing that you know the people around you and are maybe different than you thought that they would yeah. be and that your preconceived notions are are probably wrong. And you, you know, you're, and also embracing where you come from and every facet of that and kind of perfect YA ultimately is how I felt yeah. about it. Um, yeah. And yeah. So we'll talk more about the plot nuances as we go through it, but um, I think let's talk first about the stuff we kind of alluded to at the beginning is how neither of us were feeling this book for a long time. I was very upset about it because, um, you know, being big fans of red, white, and Royal blue and one last stop, I found myself really annoyed through a lot of the first half of, you know, probably up to about 65% of this book where I was just like, Shara is uh, a mean girl, but not in a cool way. Like she's kind of an asshole to be, you know, fucking off and then making everybody chase her down. I thought that Chloe was an asshole who was abandoning her friends or ignoring her friends in favor of chasing down this girl for seemingly no reason. And like the whole academic rivalry thing, like she was giving up in order to chase her. All of it was just like, it wasn't working out with, well, it wasn't working for me on a lot of different levels, yeah. but, and I knew, I knew even at, even as I was annoyed by it, I was like, I know that Casey is going to pull this off. Like, I know that they're going to bring me back in and yeah. that the end is going to, is going to really, really work for me. And even, even knowing that I was still surprised by how, yeah, how much this, this book had me in a chokehold yeah. by the end and how totally. much I was ready to like die for Shara Wheeler. Yeah. It, I, I think we talked about this about off air. Like, I think a lot of your annoyances with Shara and my, a lot of mine was with Chloe because I had a really hard time with just like how judgmental she was. Mm-hmm. By way of background, she's born in California to two moms. One of her moms is from this small town in Alabama, and they moved back when Chloe was in high school, early in high school, to take care of a sick grandparent and ended up staying there. And she's at a very, um, religious school and she was so judgmental of everyone in a way that I found Mm -hmm. was really off-putting. And I was just like, oh my God, like it, it, and she'd be thinking things about like, you know, all these jocks, like, well, like, you know, it was just like very kind of stereotypical. It was very like, I'm from California. So you guys are all like, yeah, evolved, you know, 
bottom of the barrel kind of people. Correct. Yeah. And, and I think I knew that like something had to be up with Shara, although the typical thing to do with Shara would be to like, have her just be like, actually she's this nice girl all along Mm -hmm. and like, she's misunderstood. And so I was just like, okay, like maybe that's where that's going, but I'm like, how is she going to turn Chloe around for me? Like Mm Shara is still like a mystery, but Chloe, I'm not liking anything here. And then that was like the whole point of the book. It was like, this is incredible. Um, or, you know, challenging all of Chloe's preconceived notions about Shara, about all of her classmates, about Alabama in general. And it was, it was quite the magic trick for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, because it was definitely not working for me. The writing was still good. Although I kind of felt too, as I was reading it, I'm like, this doesn't even feel like Casey's writing. And it's almost like as Chloe starts to become more involved in her thinking, you start to get more of that, like trademark Casey writing. Like I felt like the writing really clicked in too. And I don't know how much of that was intentional. Um, but at first I was, I was thinking this as I was reading, I'm like, did Casey like feel like they had to like, like now Casey themselves? (laughs) No. Did Casey feel like they had to like minimize their writing for a YA audience? Mm because it didn't feel like special in the same way that I've gotten used to when it comes to the writing. And, but then we get it like in, yeah. in spades in the, in the back half of the book. To me, it felt like it felt almost like an affectation of Casey's writing. Like it was somebody imitating Casey. Yeah. Like, yeah, it felt <laughs> very, it, it felt very put on. Like it was, it yeah. was very affected, but then yeah. Like by the end. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was just, it was really something special. I think for me, um, the, I'd love both Char and Chloe, but like Chloe's journey through that, I felt was most impactful for me because I think that one of the things that like I forget about, or I try to forget about myself, I've blocked it out was like how I thought I knew everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was a senior in high school. And sometimes that's what's hard about reading about YA. You're just like, you have the hindsight of being an adult in the world for many, many, many years after high school. And you're just like, oh my God, these children. But I thought that that was such a good and important way to show that like, you don't know what you're talking about young kids and all, oh wait, like everyone has a story yeah. behind them. And who are you to judge them because of, of what you think, you know, and that was just very, uh, impactful. I thought, and just, again, does everything that YA wants you to do in a way that just like made my heart sing like, Oh, it's so good. Um, and that just, and you think too, all the time about more liberal leaning people as being like the more evolved and like more open-minded and that like wasn't Chloe at all. That's how she no. views herself. Yeah. But she just judged everyone else around her. It reminded me very much of like white feminism, you mm. know, where it's like, you're, you're on this soapbox, but you're not actually listening to the people that are around you that are, uh, exper- experiencing things on a different level than you are. And you're not trying to really understand yeah. them. Um, you're just assuming that you are better and more evolved than they are. Yeah. Well, then she is like to have that character who is like unlikable in her judgmental judginess, judge, judgmentality, judgmentalness, judginess, <laughs> and then you in the book to then start thinking things like it's hard for her to wrap her brain around it. Sometimes the idea that for most people from here, the stuff 
she hears in Bible class is reality. Who would she be if she hadn't been raised by two moms and a small army of gay middle-aged Californians? What if Willow Grove had always been her whole world and the people in charge of it who left their classroom door unlocked for her and cracked jokes with her like they saw her as a person, told her gently but firmly that she was wrong, that there was something inside of her, even if she hadn't named it yet that needed to be fixed. Yeah. That's like incredible. I got chills reading it. Like it's so involved and yeah. Uh, relatedly, um, a quote that she thinks about Rory, because it comes out that Rory has been, you know, crushing on Shara in the way that maybe a lot of young gay men crush on, uh, their female friends, because it's, you know, you're hoping (laughs) it's more of a hope than it is like an actual real crush. And, um, she thinks she pictured, she pictures Rory raised by Willow Grove since kindergarten, sitting at his bedroom window as Shara and Smith kiss goodnight, feeling an anxious, shivery type of envy and cramming it into a shape that doesn't mean something's wrong with him. Yeah. 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 And like, and what I like about it though, is that we don't necessarily just have her have these realizations about the other characters who are revealed to be queer in, in one way or the other. Mm-hmm. She has it too about jocks and like, you know, the ace, the character of ace who, you know, was a jock and then tried out for the musical and played fans for the opera. And she just resented him so much for a, just not being like her, but be encroaching on her territory and thinking he did it as a joke or assuming yeah. he did it as a joke. Yeah. When- yeah. And I, I do think there's some queer coding with ace going on there. Yeah. Um, it was great to like, have it not just be, uh, about finding the other queer kids in town. Like they all have something going on and they're all a victim of that place in different ways. Showing Ace as being like a, like exactly that kind of jockey kind of like silly, maybe a little, you know, very golden retriever energy, but like a very good person and still evolved and still very like forward thinking. And, um, the, the ACE quote, I've kissed like all my homies. Um, it's, he's a precious, precious baby. And I need, I want to know more about ACE. I need to know the backstory on the kissing all of his homies. Yes. Me too. I was, cause we get no other follow-up on that. I was kind of shipping him and Benji. Is that the friend's name? Who's also big into theater who wanted to be the phantom? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I was like, uh, wow. Um, so that was, yeah, I really definitely it wanted felt to know like that it too. was going in that direction. Yeah. Towards the it end. didn't happen, but she then would have been, it, it would have been like everyone was paired with everyone. Right. <laughs> and yeah. That probably was a little messy, but, um, yeah, I think too, what is always great in, Casey's novels too is this like found family thing that we have going on. And I think that that was another reason why I was so irritated with Chloe for so long. It's because it's like she was turning on her friends um, and not mm-hmm. being a good friend, not being present. And that's such a hallmark of something that I look for in Casey's books. Um, and it's just, it, it, it was very upsetting to me. But then it was very gratifying to see like her ultimate, um, you know, fight with Georgia where, you know, uh, Chloe says we literally shit on this place every single day of our lives. No, you do. Georgia says, yeah, there's a lot about this place that sucks, but it's where I'm from. And honestly, sometimes I'm sick of you acting like you're so much better than it. Like your family's not from here too. And so we got those moments of reckoning, which were really important, but we got to see both Chloe's 
longstanding friendships like evolve and change. And then all these new friendships she's formed and it all worked out really, really well. Yeah. It felt like, like in the beginning when I was kind of irritated with it, it felt like uh, Casey was playing on um, a lot of these tropes in a way that felt like um, leaning into them mm-hmm. or like using those tropes as opposed to what ends up being the case, which is like subverting a lot of them. Um, so like wherever you think that like these characters are going, like I thought for a minute too, that Georgia, you know, Georgia spends most of this book trying to tell Chloe something. And you think you assume because like the way that tropes go is that, uh, she's trying to tell Chloe that she's in love with her or something. And really that's not the case at all. So it kind of flips a lot of these expectations on its head. So I think, that was a big part of like not being into the first half of the book was that I thought I knew where this was going. Like I thought that Shara was going to end up having done all of this stuff out of like altruism. And she was just trying to hook up her friends and like, you know, help them be whatever. Um, But really like nothing is, is going in the direction that you're expecting, except of course that like Chloe and Shara are going to be a thing. Yeah. And I think too, like on a broader level, like the stuff with her friends and like kind of accepting, you know, Will Grove for what it was in Alabama for what it was like speaks to a lot of like, you know, kind of what goes on in our country in terms of people thinking that like the South and like red states, they're all like mm-hmm. backwater. And like, you know, we know that that's not the case. There's people in those states who are, are disenfranchised and they're marginalized and, but they're there and their voices are important. And that's so, it, it's not surprising to me that Casey who wrote Red, White and Royal Blue and much politics in it right? that they did, you know, is uh, picking up on some of those and carrying over some of those themes here and a more subtle level and, like a high school level, which makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And it and feels like a big middle finger to all the people that are like, oh, if you don't like it there, then just move. And it's right. like, well, not only is that not feasible for many people that are living in the South, like yeah. you can't just pick up and fucking move, but also like maybe you love where you're from. It has problems and yeah. you want to stay and make it better. You don't want to leave it and leave the people there to their own devices. Yeah. Once Chloe considered herself better than people like Rory who act like they've beaten the system by choosing not to care, but it's obvious from the look on Rory's face that he does care in different ways about different things, maybe pretending it's its own high school survival strategy. And like, that's what they all do uh, to survive Alabama, to survive a really religious school, to do all those things. And, and like, and I love how that ties into not just her reflection on everyone else in her class and her friends, but also herself. She says in her valedictorian speech at the end, I learned that survival is heavy on so many of us. And on a personal level, I realized I'd gotten so used to that weight. I stopped noticing how much of myself I dedicated to carrying it. And so the realization that Chloe herself has been like using her own coping mechanisms. Yeah. Trying so hard to, to, prove that she's okay in that system, uh, is, and she wasn't either. And none of her classmates are, it's just, it's great personal growth on many levels, 
Shara says to her, you march into school every day. Like, you know, everything and you're better than everyone. And that's how I know you're terrified. You have to decide that you're so certain about everything because the uncertainty scares the shit out of you. And it's like, ah, it's just so good. Casey, mm-hmm. you genius. <laughs> I just, it was, I really liked it. Um, and I think we'd be remiss to mention, and I'm, I'm glad it wasn't very heavy handed, but the same realizations also, um, come into play about religion here. And that's not really the focus of the book, although they do go to a very religious high school, but you know, uh, Georgia, the girl that she ends up dating, I can't remember her name, but she goes, she's a church girl. She, she goes to church and Chloe has a moment where she thinks about, you know, she knows that Alabama is more than Willowgrove. And if that's true, maybe faith can be more than Willowgrove too. And she thinks about like, what, what would it be like if I had like been introduced to these, some of these things like earlier in my life, what my relationship be like, I might never know it's probably too late, but like that yeah. kind of evolved thinking about it because I think, um, summer, sorry, summer, but I think that that's something too, that is very evolved in terms of people who, look down on people who do do have faith that they must necessarily be backwards. They can't be forward thinking, et cetera. The layers in this 350 page book. My God, we haven't even talked about Shara yet. Oh, Shara. Let's talk about Shara because, you know, if there's one like sub theme to this podcast, it's like, we love a hot mean girl. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's like our tagline. Um, I'm going to make sure it's one day. Uh, there is that, um, I remember Casey, like in, in the months leading up to this book's release, you know, dropping hints and stuff on social media and being like, oh, it's like this meets this or whatever. And I remember one time they said it was like, um, get out of my school. Like, do you remember that? Like it was circulating on probably Twitter or something ages ago where it was like, oh, one time when I was like in second grade, I had a crush on a girl in school and I didn't know how to handle it. So I just wrote her a note that said, get out of my school. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so that's like, and that it absolutely is like, I remember reading that and I was like, oh, that sounds fun. Uh, yeah. when Casey mentioned something about it being similar to that. And after reading the book, I'm like, oh yes, yeah. I absolutely see that Shara, both Shara and well, mostly Shara, I think, um, but both Shara and Chloe kind of being like taking the academic rivalry, but it's not really, it's kind of like, it is absolutely that like writing you a note, get out of my school, but like pay attention yeah. to me. That's what Shar is doing. This entire book is leaving all these notes for Chloe, like pay attention to me, pay yeah. attention to me, buying yeah. the gloss specifically to kiss Chloe with like, yeah. Well, and it's great too, because it's like, you know, again, as adults reading a book about two girls vying for valedictorian, I'm like, I don't give a shit about this, <laughs> but like, oh wait, that's not the point. Yeah, not at all. That is not at all the point. And yeah, I liked that. Like you could tell all Chloe's friends were like, you obsess with her and it's not for the Mm -hmm. reason you think it is. Uh, But Shara obviously didn't have like that person uh, or people in her life to like clock that in the same way, Mm -hmm. Um, which I I really liked. But yeah, I think what at the end of this book, like I just had such a big smile on my face because we like let the mean girls stay mean. Yes. Oh my God. Like, really, and for some reason, I, I was like really upset. I mean, both at, at Chloe and Shara for different reasons, but I was like, Shara is just out for attention and Chloe, you're giving it to her. Like, this is frustrating um, yeah. to me to read this. 
And um, I'm just really glad that it kind of just stayed that way, like that she was just kind of out for attention, specifically Chloe's and uh, that she's not apologetic about it. And yeah. that it, it's very much her, like she hasn't changed in any way, really. Right. Like, I just, I just love that. And like, she does things like for reasons that make sense. And a lot of it is to guard who she really is and protect that, which Chloe clocks and is like, I get why she does this, but she also does not great things to people. Like she was helping ACE try out for the musical, Mm -hmm. but then like basically tanked his relationship with summer and sort of blackmailing him. Yeah. 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 So like, she's just like, she's not hundred percent, like a perfect person. Um, and I think that that is really valuable. And that ultimately is like what works about Chloe and Chara. I think it's, it might be Rory. It's either Rory or Smith who says like, Chloe says something like, well, Chara's so mean. He's like, well, yeah, you're kind of mean too. Yes. And it's like, yeah, they are. And they like, don't need to change it. And then the realization at the end that like, there's no one else that could understand each other in that way. Um, but I want to read this, this quote from Char, because I think what I think is so great about it is like, we're always have, we have a tendency to judge people like Shara for wanting, you know, the, the popularity, the prom queen title, all that stuff. And I just thought this quote was like, so masterful in terms of like why someone might want that. To be honest, it was easy. I've been lying my whole life, though I prefer to think of it as adapting, working. As far back as I can remember, everyone told me I was pretty. I was perfect. I was a legacy. So I decided to be that because it made my parents like me better and it made me feel safe. I lied to my family, to my friends, to my boyfriend, to people I barely even know. And I did it all to make people fall in love with something I made in someone instead of someone I actually had to be. I still don't really get what's supposed to be bad about that. I mean, I liked being prom queen. I chose it. I, it made everything easier. What's wrong with doing what it takes to have an easier life. Why is it so bad to want to feel special or loved or accepted? High school feels like all there is sometimes the whole world. And don't we all want the whole world to revolve around us? Isn't that what our parents say? Let me tell y'all sometimes a pedestal is a very comfortable place to be because at least up there, nothing can hurt you. And I'm just like, holy shit. Like, it's so true. First of all, I'm like, I I know Casey gets into uh, sign stuff. Is Shara a Leo queen after my own heart? Like, I hope so, because <laughs> I too like to have the world revolve around me. But like, we never give space to people who like those things. They must be wrong because they're not valuing the right quote unquote, right things. And I I think the point that like, that doesn't make everything so much easier is a good one on top of like her, the, you know, the layers and the walls that she was building to protect herself. But, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with wanting those things, how you treat others. Once you have those things, I think is where it gets sticky, but I, I just think it's so refreshing to see the blonde, pretty prom queen, like basically validate that it's okay to like want to be that not to the point where you are, are so far removed from your own self, but like being able to use that power and hopefully weaponize it for good and so do some of the things charted. I just think that <laughs> it's great to give that, that space here. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, I agree. 
That's just a book. It's a really good book. And then, I mean, like, obviously this is mostly about them, but like we get some other great characters here as always in a Casey McQuiston book. Um, we talked about and Rory. Ah, uh, those babies from I like love them page so much. one. I was like, Oh my God, mm-hmm. I ship it. I ship it. I ship it. Um, I was particularly moved by, um, Smith in this book and his journey to like maybe questioning his, his gender identity and starting to play around with that. I liked that it was open-ended at the end. Chloe asked him like pronouns. He's like, still he, him, but I'll let, I'll let you know. Yeah. I, I like that process that he's finally giving himself the space to work through that, that conversation between Ash, who mm-hmm. is, um, uh, Chloe's non-binary friend was and, and Smith was like one of the best things in the entire book. Like when Ash was like, maybe you should uh, think about that. Yeah. Well, like Smith reveals that his name is Will Smith actually. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's, he's talking to Ash about how they knew they were non-binary and um, Ash is like, Oh, well your, your real name's Will Smith. Right. And, you know, how did you know that you wanted to go by Smith? And Smith says, I don't know. It just doesn't feel right. Like Smith is my name, but William doesn't, uh, or like Smith feels like my name, but William doesn't. And Ash goes, okay, so that's how I felt about being a girl. And then goes into this whole explanation about it. And it's just a subtle, perfect moment to like include that and provide a very meaningful, like explanation of what that process can be like for someone. Mm-hmm. Just, ah. Uh. I love that so Smith good. being like, well, everybody feels that way. And Ash is like, oh, buddy, <laughs> no, buddy, <laughs> no, no. Um, yeah. So I just, again, all those little, little moments. And I have to shout out to um, the theater kid-ness of this book yeah. as one myself. I have read to a lot of books like set in high schools where it's uh, about kids doing theater musical theater in particular. And what I didn't really realize until I read this book is that like in those books, they, someone always wants to be like a star. Like they want to go to Broadway. Like mm-hmm. that's, I'm, I was so good in this production of Phantom of the Opera Broadway here I come. And it's like, no. And I love that. Like, um, th- this is literally what Chloe thinks. Like when Chloe tries to explain what she loves so much about high school theater, even though she'll probably never set foot on another stage after graduation, she always ends up at this, the chaos of backstage. And I just felt like the descriptions of like what it's like to be in the dressing room with your friends, like feeling kind of like you're lost in time. Like those hours you spend like in the theater, like eating like crappy food with your friends. Cause you're there 12 hours a day. Like those are so many of my high school memories. And I just felt like they nailed that so much. And then like their theater night or whatever that they had at the end yeah. was so much like our end of your variety show that we would have. And instead of doing gender swap versions of our shows, my best friend and I would do um, 60 second recaps where we'd act out the entire show <laughs> that we had done. Um, so it was just like, it felt really real to me. And I just really appreciated that. It wasn't like we're all going to make it as stars, but there's still that like cutthroatness because it's so important to you. Like at the time, like what role will I get? And it would have been very controversial if 
an outsider came in and swept the lead away. Yeah. Oh boy. Oh, for sure. I remember one of my friends in high school, we were juniors and this girl, like she could have gone big, like real, like I've never met anyone else in real life who was as talented as she was. Um, but she got the lead as a junior (laughs) over the seniors and it was like drama drums, like (laughs) drums. They earn those spots, but like apparently not. So, um, I totally got the feelings of animosity they had towards ACE. Um, (laughs) even if they were ultimately unfounded. So that was just shout out to the theater kids. Love y'all. <laughs> Love y'all. Yeah. Any, anything else thing we want to talk about? I don't really have any other, like my notes are so minimal. I, of course, as one does with the Casey McQuiston book, I copied like the entire thing down in my quotes section, oh, but yeah, for so- my actual notes, I just have very little. I think I have, I, I would like, um, in the day where like everything's getting adapted now, um, and again, we have, they both die at the end, uh, being made as a mini series. I think that this book in particular would make a great mini series. Cause you have kind of like that mystery at the core of it that really drives the plot for the first half, but then the kind of reckoning with that, with the fallout of that for the back half. And it's just, I think it would yeah. be a really fun mini series. Yeah, no, I would love that. That'd be great. Um, Hollywood, right. if you're listening. Yeah. Please listen to our podcast, Hollywood. Right. Great ideas. Hollywood in general. Yeah. Just <laughs> out there. All right. Well, let's do your favorite quotes then. I'll have you go first because, yes, you do have more here. But some of them I will point out as we go are also ones I would have written down if you hadn't done your notes first. So <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. All right. That's the thing about popular kids. They don't have the type of bond forged in the fire of being weird and queer in small to medium town Alabama. If Chloe tried to ghost like this, there'd be a militia of Shakespeare gays kicking down every door in false speech. Uh, this is a funny one too that I liked. It takes half an hour to edit her Euro history note cards down to the ones with potential for erotic subtext. Peninsula Wars, no. Corn Laws, absolutely not. Enlightened Despot, probably how Shara sees herself, but no. <laughs> All right, your turn. All right. Uh, this is Georgia. Also, it's romantic. If I loved you less, I might be able to talk about it more. Best line in Austin's entire body of work. And I've read them all, Chloe. I uh, just shout out for being absolutely fucking right, Georgia. Uh, you should say it. It is the best standalone line. I will say that there is something about you pierce my soul in persuasion that in the moment hits real well. So like, I have not yet read <gasps> persuasion. So oh I look forward to it. Oh my God. I remember reading that in college for like a Jane Austen seminar. I was in and reading that passage and like leaving my room and finding my roommate and like making her read it. And she's like, this is nice. Like, <laughs> like it was not really gonna, uh, work in the same way. So that's why I will give her that quote as being the best on its own. Yeah. All right. Um, she slices the corner of her mouth, which is perfect. Really? What is Shara, if not a paper cut in the mouth corner of Chloe's existence? (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. That's good stuff. Yeah. All right. While Georgia rereads Regency classics, Chloe's favorite stories are the ones where the headstrong young woman on a cinematic journey to master her powers falls to the monster who's been antagonizing her all along. 
Georgia knows this, so she curates a stack of books behind the counter for Chloe and adds to it every time they get something Chloe might like. She affectionately calls it Chloe's monster fucker collection. Uh, the most relatable Chloe is in this entire book for me personally. Um, yeah. We we love, you know, yeah. shouts to the monster fuckers out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. And then this was my favorite, like, typical Casey quote. Chloe Green was born in California. Her mom's egg, her mama's body, California soil. She grew up in a house full of Obama coffee mugs and Tibetan singing bowls and unofficial aunts who played cello in their living room after dinner parties. Before they moved here, she never felt anything about Alabama, and she certainly never imagined it could make her feel anything about herself. But Alabama is in her no matter how much she pretends it's not. And like that was just so akin to like so many red, white, and royal blue passages. I was going to say, you're absolutely right. That is 1000% the most Casey quote. Yeah. It feels so much like Alex thinking about Texas and, and Mexico mm-hmm. and all of his, you know, foundation, the foundational like elements. two homes side by side or oh, whatever. It's- um, and I really, that's why I think this book, you know, I loved one last stop in and of itself, but like this felt like the much closer to me of yeah. To, to how red, white, and royal blue made me feel. I agree. Yeah. So, All right. Call me old fashioned, but a man's place is in the basement preparing vocal exercises for his more talented wife. Uh, shouts to Phantom of the Opera. And it's just, you know, agreed. Absolutely. Uh, you keep going now. I'm, I'm out. Oh, okay. Here, so. <laughs> All right. Once in a generation, there is born a bisexual who can do math. You're the chosen one. Um, I picked this one because I am genuinely dying to know if this is an intentional Buffy reference or if this is just kind of like a general chosen one joke, but, um, the, the, the verbiage here, like it's, it's very, you know, once in a generation, there is a slayer born. She is the chosen one. Like it, it is very much like Buffy. So I wonder. I love I love it when people that I like, you know, I find out that they're Buffy fans. It's uh, very exciting for me. Yeah. All right. Why would I like her? She's not a good person. Should I remind you of the several occasions on which you have testified that you think she's hot? Georgia says, or maybe I should go get the monster fucker collection from behind the desk. It kind of sounds like she's the mega bitch of your dreams. It's uh, (laughs) perfect. And that's why I like love the tie in with like the monster stuff. It's yeah. Yeah, it's perfect. Um, okay, this Shara last slips- one was also one of mine favorites. Oh, okay. Yeah, Shara slips the necklace under the neckline of her dress and straightens her shoulders, and Chloe realizes this is Shara when nobody's looking. Born so smart and so curious and so fucking proud that not even Jesus could convince her she was wrong. Saved by God first and her God complex second, going through hell and painting pink nail polish over it. I love this just as a summary of Shara. Like, this is why I fucking love Shara. Like, yep. the line... Um, saved by God first and her God complex second. I want it tattooed onto my face. I fucking love it. Yeah. It's a really good quote. Casey, you're so good. Oh my <laughs> God. Okay. Favorite character and favorite character arc. Um, uh, my favorite arc was Chloe for all the reasons we talked about above. Just, I think too, because it was just such a shocking flip for me. I really liked mm-hmm. it. And then, uh, yeah, my favorite character is Shara because love a happy girl. Um, I actually, I had Shara as both character and arc, but you talked me into changing that to Chloe. So I completely agree. And um, I also want to shout out Ace because he's a little golden retriever and I love him. Yes, absolutely. And I think part of the reason too, we like didn't really talk about this much with like Shara at the end, but it's like 
her journey like feels so much like it's just the beginning at the end of this book. Like mm-hmm. she's kind of on a precipice. She has no idea what she's going to do now that they're graduating. She might take, she's going to take a year off, but then like, who knows where she's going to go. She must have a very, very fraught relationship with her parents at this juncture. So, you know, Chloe has known who she is in a, in a lot of more fundamental ways and has been accepting of that for much longer than Chara has. Um, I, I, can only imagine our girl's going to go great places though. Yeah. I love that they left it very open-ended too. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Swoon. Swoon. Okay. So like I have a couple, do you have a couple too? I do. I have three. Okay. So, well, this one ties. Oh no, I don't really have to. Sorry. Sorry. Um, no, I don't really have three. I just have one. (laughs) Yeah. It's fine. Sorry. Math is hard. Well, one of mine is literally like, it's just Rory and Smith looking at each other. Like that doesn't count Tasia. I, mean, I think it doesn't. I was going to say it like Wireless into my first one, which was Rory flooding the bio lab on frog dissection week for Smith, even though they weren't like really speaking or being friends at that time, but he knew how much it bothered Smith that he would have to do that. So he did it for them anyway. So Smith wouldn't have to dissect frogs. You are right. Yeah. That is the correct answer. Correct. Yes. Um, okay. This was uh, my favorite as well. So you can do the honors of reading it, but then I do have another one. Oh, okay. Um, Shara isn't a monster inside a beautiful girl or a beautiful girl inside of a monster. She's both one inside of the other inside of the other. In that truth, the whole truth of Shara leaves no room to pretend anymore. Neither of them did this for a title. That's what Chloe was afraid of her friends seeing. That were that. That's where the trail led. That's why she couldn't let it end. Oh my God, Chloe says out loud. Her brain is overheating probably. I'm in love with a monster turducken. (laughs) I love this because um, like number one, it makes me feel better about Chloe being such a shit friend for most of this book. Um, And B, um, as soon as I read the line, she's both one inside of the other. I was like, haha, turducken because they had talked about turduckens earlier in the book. And then like a line later, it was indeed turducken. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, perfect. It was perfect. I do think though, cause we talked about like how Chloe was being a dick to her friends. I did want to just shout out briefly how she does like say at one point, like she needs to like respect Shara's privacy, like essentially not out mm-hmm. her. Like I get yeah. that she tells Georgia, which like feels fine. Like you need to like tell your best friend that like someone gets to you or whatever. But, um, that felt like a good, like legitimate thing to acknowledge. And I appreciated that. Um, okay. But yeah, no, that was just like, perfect. Um, this is from one of the notes that Shara, a draft of a note that Shara writes, Chloe, I don't think she actually gives it to her. There was this one weekend a million summers ago when I sat on the shore drinking a frozen limeade and I realized the only thing I wanted to look at was the way the sun hit the girls swimming in the lake. The problem has always been this. When I look at you, I taste lime and I see light on the water. Casey. Another Kate, another classic Casey move. <laughs> I feel so much like red, white, and royal blue. I can't You've done it again, it. you son of a bitch. <laughs> Got it. Anyway, this last one here is a good one too. Shara is not nice. Shara is so many more important things than nice. Yep. Good book, Casey. 
And again, <laughs> thank you for writing something that we actually could talk about on this podcast. Uh, and keep I know it on you did theme. it just for us. <laughs> Absolutely, you did. Um, I I really can't wait for more YA from them in the future. If this is what they have for us, like that's fantastic. I feel like it's we're in this weird state where it's like I don't know what is next from Casey McQuiston, and I'm like. Because like, are they working on a new, have they talked? I don't remember if they've ever talked about since finishing Shara. If they were no, I, I, I'm, I think like maybe like in general terms, but no specifics, but I feel like yeah. we, we found out about Shara very, very soon after one last, one last stop. stop. Yeah. Um, so Casey, give us the deets. Continue celebrating your number yeah. one on the New York Times for a little bit longer, but then give us the deets, please. Thank you. Goodbye. Yeah, I was going to say, if you want to take a little vacation, that's fine. Yeah. We'll allow it, but uh, we're going to need you to we're gonna get, back, need to get back to work <laughs> quickly. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, that was that was really great. And just oh, my heart feels warm just even talking about it for an hour. So um, I hope you all loved it, too. Uh, before we go next week, we will be back with the aforementioned promised Tower of Dawn. We promise uh, this time. We promise this time we are going to be covering it. Uh, we did read it. I, I'm, I'm ready to go. My notes are done. Like there's just a little scheduling <laughs> sample behind the scenes. So I feel very prepared. Uh, so that will be next. And uh, then we're really in the, the end game of our Throne of Glass coverage, <laughs> which is exciting for many reasons. Yes. Um, but in the meantime, Tasia, where can our listeners find you online? You can find me on Instagram at RagyCakes. And I'm on Instagram at Rin underscore reads. You can find the podcast on Instagram at ActYourAge. You can choose an email if you'd like at ActYourAgePod at gmail.com. And if you wouldn't mind rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, as always, we would appreciate it. Friends, thanks so much for listening. We will see you soon. Bye. Bye.